0: Hello, folks. You are listening to Rewriting Our Future, A Mind Control Exodus with me, Paul Henning. Join us on our journey as we explore and actively work to deprogram ourselves from the forces in the world that socially engineer our lives. Are the politicians, doctors, scientific experts, and news anchors telling us the truth? Is school, pop culture, social media, and television programming supporting the development of our highest consciousness, healthiest bodies? and most sovereign selves? The more we research and listen to our intuition, the more we find that this answer is a loud and resounding no. And so, we are rewriting our future to opt out of the mind control these forces tirelessly aim to manipulate and coerce us with. Welcome to the show, where we are all figuring this out together. Hello, everyone. Happy New Year's Eve. Today is Sunday, December 31st. We're publishing this. Excited to bring you today's episode with a friend of mine, Patrick Flood. Patrick has an incredible story as he was fired wrongfully for refusing the COVID jab. And instead of just taking it on the chin and moving on, he got in touch with a lot of different people. He used his resourcefulness and his persistence and his determination, and he pursued legal action against the... Uh, organization that fired him, and he won the settlement. It was a two-year process, but it was an incredible journey and a great example that he set for so many of us out there to not give up, to not be afraid to do what you think is right. And so we talk about that today, his journey through the legal system after getting laid off to getting a settlement, and also about what made him the kind of person that would pursue this, and a little bit more about his life. Patrick's a great guy. He's a resource of knowledge. He's a great example. Nowadays, you know, I really call this like true patriotism. So thanks a lot for your time, Patrick. And I really think you guys are going to learn a lot and enjoy this episode. Thanks. Okay. Hello, everyone. Here we are again today with another episode of Rewriting Our Future. I am really excited to bring my guest um, today to introduce my guest, Patrick Flood. How are you doing today, Patrick? Hey, doing good. How you doing? Doing well, man. I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, good um, to be here. It, uh, I was really excited to invite Patrick to come on today because you have an inspiring story. Um, as you were basically terminated from your employer in Washington for refusing the vaccine. And long story short, you fought the legal system and you ended up winning a case against your former employer. Is that right? That is, yeah. Yeah, Wow. well, it's uh, really inspiring. You know, I, um, you were just interviewed by the last American Vagabond, uh, Ryan Christian, and I watched that interview the other day. I'm going to put the link in the show notes. I recommend anybody who's interested in watching because they really dive into the details. And of course, Ryan's like a pro um, at asking all the good questions and diving in. But um, yeah, the comment section of your, your interview, maybe I'll read a few later, but people were so grateful for you speaking up and the the work you did and for going against the system in general (laughs) and so it was really you know well well deserved praise that you're getting there
1: yeah it's just so it's so nice just like you mentioned some of the excuse me some of the comments uh in the video and just to yeah just to read those people saying thank you you're it's so good to hear your story you know way to go kick ass all these like good things because obviously when i was going through it you know i was very lonely and very desolate at times and it, it, we'll get into all the the, ha- the course of events but um it's just nice obviously it's nice to know that uh there's other people who are there who are just like you know right on the job and just say we're really happy to hear the stories So that's all
0: yeah it's inspiring these days you know i think there's so much like waiting 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 you know a lot of people are talking about like what do we do what do we do there's so many like measures and there's so much more control and the boot is coming and stepping and like uh but you know your story is like at the the patriotic, the patriotic story of like freedom. Like somebody was like, no, I'm going to actually make sacrifices to, fa- to fight for my rights. Like, hmm, what a concept, you know uh, yeah. it's, but it is, it's, it's, it's really rare. Um, so yeah, maybe after we hear the story of what happened with the legal system, I'll uh, we'll ask you more about how it all came to be before that. And we'll uh, talk a little bit about where we met and stuff, but um, yeah, would you kind of give us a breakdown of what happened with your employer and, and how it all went down?
1: Sure. So this was in the summer of twenty twenty one. I was in Seattle at the time. Uh, no longer there. Very very grateful. But uh and I was working at uh I was I wasn't a government employee proper, but I was a contractor at a federal government agency, uh the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration at the oh. Fisheries Center in uh in Seattle and I was doing a tech support job, you know, Sysadmin, just helping people, uh, you know tech stuff in the office kind of that kind of kind of a gig which I've been in that field for a while and i remember um since they were a federal office they were kind of subjects people may or may not remember this but different mandates were coming out one of the first ones that especially was being implemented was biden put out one for certain classes of federal employees and some mm-hmm. contractors et cetera. so that rule it was kind of There was kind of an idea for a while that it was coming around, and it was kind of just hanging in the air. But at the end of August, they gave a hard date where it says, um, you know, it was on a Friday afternoon. I got an email and it said, uh, you know, by such and such date, I think it was like ten days or two weeks, and you will either need to provide proof of vaccination, or if you don't do that, you're going to have to provide um, test tests twice weekly and provide, you know, provide that paperwork to, to go. And they said this is your date by which you must comply. And you know, I had I had it. I knew for a while it was going to come, but then this was the hard death. It was like, this is it, you know? And um, yeah. I knew for months and I knew before, I mean, right, right when they started talking about the VAX, I knew there's no chance, that, you know, that's not happening. And I, I remember discussing with coworkers, you know, way before I was like, if there's ever a day where they think they're going to make me take it, that's when I'm not going to be here anymore. So it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't even, certainly wasn't an, it wasn't a decision at all, but certainly when I saw that email, I just knew it was a foregone conclusion. So I saw that, and um, it was on a Friday afternoon. I took in between, kind of trying to work. I kind of drafted my response, and um, I didn't, I didn't even enter. I didn't think of asking for an exemption or, or saying, you know, I just said uh, essentially said, um, according to the email below, if I don't comply with this by this date, I'm going, you know, I'm not going to be able to enter our work facility. So I said I. I fully refuse to comply with any of the following. I'm not going to take a vaccine or any other intervention. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm as a, you know, I like, I refuse to comply with any of the e's under any circumstance. I'm not taking a vaccine. I'm not testing. I'm not volunteering my medical records. And uh, part of it was part of the language in the email was said, "Uh, you will have to carry you know your documentation with you to access a work facility." So papers, please, like literally, straight up, you know,
0: papers. yeah. So they asked <laughs> you to make sure you test yourself twice a week. And yep, then also carry papers, and then obviously you'd be all masked up, and maybe like they want you to double mask, or who yeah. knows what.
1: Very, yeah, very masky culture, as you would imagine all that, all that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um. So I said, I'm not complying with any of this under any circumstances. I said, I find this to be a gross violation of my religious beliefs, uh, HIPAA, natural law, the Constitution, Bill of Rights, Nuremberg Code. You know, anything. I just said this wow. is a gross violation
0: of all this stuff. Where did you get yeah. that that verbiage from? Did you see counsel, or did you, or did you, were you just flowing with your own like professionalness? I was.
1: Um, I mean, I you know I had read a de- you know back in back in uh, twenty twenty. I mean, probably a lot of people in our community knew about the Nuremberg Code, and you know, yeah. and I, I read, I read, I had certain awareness, and obviously, I know the uh, you know the fourth amendment and basic basic things on the bill of bill of rights so i just had and, uh, yeah, sure i do but when you say were you just flowing kind of in a way because i knew like i said i knew when i got like this was this email comes and i was just like essentially you know fuck you i'm not that's that's what i'm telling these people like, right no and i knew i didn't knew i knew it was very likely it lose my job but i just felt i was kind of um you know, kind of, like I said, I was trying to do my job for the rest of the afternoon. But in between, you know, I drafted, and I thought about it, but I didn't have any real, um, you know, really specific kind of legal grounding. I mean, I knew some basics and I, and I put whatever I could think of in that hour or two as I'm drafting the message. Hmm. Um wow. But, okay. it, was, but it, it was it was kind of like. Kind of a flow, it's kind of like, I'm just saying no, and that's it. There's no there's the I'm not you know, I'm yeah. asking for an exemption or playing nice, like, this is not going to happen. I just want you all to know that. So that was, yeah, just kind of let it out there like that. Hmm.
0: You know? Wow. And, uh, yeah, because it sounded like the way you were describing Like, if I had to write one, I, might, I, I, just, I wouldn't have have, I I might would have been able to write it as, like, with, with that much articulation. And, like, I would have just been like, I don't want to – I refuse, really? you know. But it's the way you describe it make it sound really professional. So it's a uh, school that probably came back to benefit you later. So um, – Okay, so you emailed them. You said you weren't going to do it no matter what.
1: Yeah, and so then, um, so again, that was Friday afternoon. So by the next, um, you know, Monday, Tuesday, I hadn't heard anything. I think maybe either Tuesday, Wednesday, I emailed my boss and said, hey, I just wanted to check on this, whether or not this will have any impact on my, my, you know, my working here or my, you know, any of this stuff. And he said, it's under, it's under consideration. So then the following Thursday, in the middle of the day, my direct supervisor has just sent me an email, and there was, the title was, uh, you know, your last day tomorrow, Friday, I think September third. He was like, "Thank you, Patrick, for your for your all your work and uh, contributions during these unusual times. Um, please bring back all your stuff tomorrow. Please, you know, your laptop and your ID badge and these things." Um, Crazy. And, uh, you're done. You're done. Yeah. And then, uh, so he was my direct supervisor at the office. So I went to my contractor because that's my you know, official employer. And I said, can you please, you know, give me documentation of why I'm being terminated. I'd like either an email or a letter some kind of written documentation to specify exactly why I'm being terminated. So, and this was, again, um, this was that Thursday and he said, uh, your refusal of the policy last week amounts to a voluntary resignation. That's what he said, you know? So (laughs) I said, um, right. And, and in the midst of this, I was texting some of my friends that I was, because at this point, again, I was in Seattle and some uh, some of my friends in the, it's uh, still a group there, Seattle Truth. I mean, we were out there kind of with the signs, protesting, you know, doing all kinds of stuff. So I had people that were already in the kind of resistance mindset and, the, and the, the movement in Seattle. And I was texting with her and she's like, oh, that's very clearly, you know, once you gave me the, you're done. She's like, oh, that's clearly retaliation. I was like, hang on, I'll get, I'll get right back to you. Gave me this, oh, gave wow. me a document. They were already working with people the so this was kind of huh. the, uh, the nascent uh, Washington Civil Rights Council. It was kind of kind of some of the same people overlapping with the Seattle Truth, and hmm. they, have, they were getting attorneys involved and had this a document that just said, uh, and it was a constructive notice and it straight up said, give the give this to them, let them know. And it says, you know, these are the laws that you're violating. These are the, the state hmm. laws of Washington. These are the federal laws. Just so you know. And tell him, um, and I, you know, so when, the, so when the guy said, uh, you, know, you voluntary voluntarily resigned, I said, actually, um, no, I didn't resign. I do not want my appointment to end. This is at your will. I accept your decision under duress with all rights reserved. Now that, that language was definitely given, you know, sure. Um, yeah. Okay. That's Cause that's important. Yeah. And then I gave him the, the, the document that said, um, here's all the laws. You can't do this it's clearly illegal. And, um, he responded my my boss and said "Patrick thank you for your thank you for your considered reply uh, our position is unchanged please bring your stuff back and please please wear a mask uh, tomorrow when you when you come back." More. so yeah yes yeah. So that was it that was done i brought my stuff um and again that was uh was september 3rd 2021 so right so just abruptly terminated you know crazy within less, within less than a week yeah i'm done you know um and let's see should we go through the kind of the
0: basic kind of yeah i think it would be interesting you know for me to learn and for other people to understand because like if we it's exciting i think to be like holy shit somebody did it i can do it and uh but you really went through a lot and i think it would be good to give the context because it's not just like you don't just like throw a middle finger up and then it's over like you got to grind so yeah i think uh it would be cool to go through some of those details Okay, so as you imagine,
1: right in the immediate aftermath, I mean, my income is just abruptly cut at nothing, right? So at this point, I'm like, "Well, what am I going to do?" Um, so essentially, I knew that no matter, I didn't, I didn't know where I was going to live. Honestly, I mean, I was, but I, I, as you may imagine, I was like, "Well, I don't. Seattle doesn't seem like a good place to be right now." Yeah, other than very other friendly, than
2: people,
1: yeah, other than the people that I have met, you know, through uh, some of some of the same people friends we know mm-hmm.
2: um
1: but in but in any case i was just um i didn't know what i was gonna do so i put most of my stuff in storage and for the better part of two months was essentially living out of my car and camping like straight up just uh you know and at that time there were there were a lot of people you know some of the festivals we went to a lot of people thinking about um you know learning different skills and just kind of camping and you know people get so that that mindset was kind of kind of there and um so for about two months that's I was pretty much a vagabond, like <laughs> for real. Um, mm-hmm. I ended up going to, and, and right in the aftermath of that, there was no real legal action. I mean, I was, I was hoping there was a twinkle of hope, but I didn't, you know, who knows what was going to happen. Um, so what I ended up doing in the beginning of November was I actually met up with Derek Rose. He had a program called the Underground Railroad, probably pretty familiar, but he would. Yeah, he was he getting able-
0: people into Mexico, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. So he meets you at the border, and um, I was like, "Well, um, it's winter time. I don't don't have a lot, a lot of other things going on, and it's uh, it's nice down there. It's it's affordable, you know. So hey, and I kind of so I drove from at that point. I was in Oregon, went straight down to California, met him in Texas. So then I was down in um, in Mexico for give or take two months in the, in hmm. the immediate after that. And then in the midst of this, as far as the legal situation, I, w- I started to communicate with uh, the employer saying, uh, there was. so first I gave him a notice. And after that, a couple months later, again, working with the WCRC, they gave me a document that was um, demand for severance pay, saying like, okay, so this is wrong for termination. I would like a year of severance. I would like some kind of compensation. And if you do not agree to that, then um, I'm going to go forward with a lawsuit with legal action. So, you know, so. It took them a little while to respond to that, but they did. So an attorney responded, and, and he kind of hinted at, and this was around, excuse me, December, January of twenty one to twenty
2: two, kind mm-hmm. of hinted
1: at the possibility of a settlement. Like I, I got the feeling, you know, I think some of the language is, you know, Mr. Flood, maybe let's just have a phone call and see if we can resolve this matter. <laughs> I said, well, I'm not, I'm not comfortable with a phone call because I'm just some random dude. And not yeah, because you're a lawyer you know, and I'm a yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, and and with some, the advice of some friends, I said, "Can we conduct kind of this discussion over email?" Because I'm inexperienced. I'd like everything just on record and all that. And he said, "You know, okay." And as and as obvious as you'd imagine, his tone was very condescending and snarky and all this. Just, just how that's how they roll. So that's fine. Yes. So we kind of got into a halfway discussion of the possibility, but it broke down in the end because he said, uh, "You know, you need to give me legal authority." So like case law, kind of all this stuff. to to convince me why I should entertain this discussion or, you know, words that effect. So that just kind of broke down by the end, you know, he wanted me essentially to argue my, I said, I'm not going to argue my case in an email. So, you know, I'm going to go ahead with the lawsuit. So that was January of 22. Um, And then the first step to, for a wrongful termination, you have to go to the EEOC to get, it's called, it's literally called a notice of right to sue. You have to pretty much Hmm. go there and at least, you have to have have an interview with them and they'll they'll consider whether or not they they might want to help you i mean they deal a lot i mean this was a whole totally new situation i mean during that time they're mostly dealing with you know uh discrimination and things like this and Mm. harassment and all that that kind of workplace yeah this wasn't really up their alley you know and i even remember talking to one of the first people on the phone and she was i kind of told her a quick synopsis she's like oh they well they gave you testing that's a That's an accommodation. That's fine, right? Like you know. Anyway, they were not. I didn't get the vibe. They were sympathetic to my uh, mindset, right? Um. So I had to just kind of wait in that queue. It's a big federal bureaucracy, so that took a while. So by the time I finally got that document from the EOC, I uh, in April I finally got my my lawsuit together. You know, you get a complaint and a summons. You get it served. You get you get this person to carry this lawsuit to their representative. Got that done. That was in April. And they never responded. So hmm. in, because at this point I was not in Washington anymore. I was in Maryland. And so they had 60 days to respond and they just never, just never responded. And I'm just thinking like, wow, you know, I don't know what's going on. They just, I guess they figure I'm just going to go away. I'm a, I'm a joke to them or what? you know. And I Seriously. No other, I know no the reason that I didn't know what to think. So I guess they just figured I'm going to go away. So they didn't. They didn't respond at all. So, when you have, when when someone files a lawsuit, you have to answer at least appear in some regard that says, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to dispute this. Like, give something Mm -hmm. to the court that says, I'm going to contest this. And then, you know, you kind of at least fulfill that first initial requirement, but they never did. So, at that point, Mm -hmm. you have to pursue a default judgment. So, you essentially ask the court, hey, they never appeared, you know, they didn't even contest anything. So, here's, I want to get these damages and this is why. So, I was going. Through that process so and that was in the so in the summer of 22 essentially and that i had a lot of uh, false starts and mistakes because i was i had help but essentially just the just the formatting of the paperwork learning what a motion is learning what a declaration is for um you know a um, declaration in support of and the system of, of simply submitting the paperwork in the proper procedure and doing all the little tedious details to you know to do it correctly because I, I don't know i mean i'm getting help but it's still this this just vast uh you know ocean of of jargon and things like this yeah so it sounds
2: like a good
0: it's like a bureaucratus a bu- bureaucratus i just made up the word <laughs> but a bureaucracy nice. octopus you know bureaucratus it's just like <laughs> It's just madness. I don't know how you. Would, it's hard enough to go to the DMV. Like, I, you know, I have to go three times to the DMV to register my unconstitutional license plate. Uh, I can't imagine trying to actually sue someone. It would be like, it's like, yeah, you have to be persistent yeah. and resourceful. I'm sure.
1: Yeah, it was very frustrating, and at, at times it was, you know, disheartening. I was just, you know, I'm just fatigued, like doing all this, like over and over. And I would submit this, and would say, rejected without prejudice because of this, this, and. The, the judge, I, I'll get these little remarks like I don't, didn't you already submit this before why didn't you, you know so I, I was just, just getting the process wrong because I'm not a lawyer and it's just incredibly complex all these mm-hmm. things jump through so that process took a while but I finally got to the point where the judge says okay I'm going to have we'll have a default hearing and then you then you present all your, your argument and say Please, you know this they never showed up this is the damages I want this is why and etc you kind of kind of go in front of the judge. And part of that process was just in the e- some of the email chain, some of the canned language said, you know, I had to let them, I had to let the defendants know that this hearing was taking place, even though they didn't respond before. So the only contact I had was that lawyer that I was kind of emailing with earlier in the year and uh, just said, okay, well, I'll email him. That's the only person I have a, any kind of contact with. And once I did that, like a week or two later, they responded and they were like, wow, okay, we're, we're going to we're going to contest this we're going to fight so they're going to show up at the default hearing and and, and get that try and get that waived and their excuse was that um apparently when I served their agent that person just had that process was they get they get the the summons and the complaint their process was they're just going to email the contact they have on file like okay this is the this is the agent this is the person so in the midst of between when I was terminated apparently this is what they said when I was terminated and when this process server got this kind of notification the ownership had changed and whatever they whatever contact the person that was supposed to receive this notification of this lawsuit the mailbox wasn't being monitored or that's what they said right i don't know who knows who knows but anyway that's why they said they never responded so yeah yeah, some email box that changed control and et cetera et cetera so we get so we we go to the, the the default hearing and i'm trying to say you know they they never, you know, they never showed up, obviously. Um, so we, you know, we, and the, the judge was, my best impression was that the, I seemed, she seemed fairly impartial to me and she didn't, you know, I didn't know if, again, being in Seattle, being, who knows if she was part of the cult, right? I didn't know if I was going to get, certainly. I didn't know if there was going to be another fixed in for people like me, you know? For, but, for real. Were you in person or were you over Zoom? No, this is over Zoom, which is a relief because yeah. I was on the yeah. other side of the country. This True. Place, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And all the filing was through a website, so that was, um, yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, you have the option to do it in person, so it was, I could do it on my laptop. Um, but yeah, so the hearing was just a virtual thing, and it was in Zoom. Right. Cool. Um so, so we go through this. I try to argue why they should, uh, you know, give me a default. They say, no, you shouldn't. Um, so it boiled down to the judge was like, well, Mr. Blood, this is not the greatest kind of um, reason to... To, to, to rule for the defense. So she's like, quite honestly, I think if I did approve this default, they would simply appeal it. You would go to another court and it would get thrown back and you'd be back at square one. And she's like, you know, she's like, I'm I'm I have experience in this. I think that's m- most likely what will happen. And I like I said my gut I felt like she was genuine. Who knows? But yeah. I felt like she was a reasonable person, you know, given what I might expect in uh in Seattle. So sure. um yeah, so so they so that got vacated. So the default when they don't give it to you. So so that got vacated. I didn't get a default. One thing I did get in that in that stage though was uh, so the judge said, Mr. Flood, please give me an itemized accounting of all the time and expense you put into pursuing the default, right? Because essentially they wasted my time and all this. So I gave her a report saying, okay, I tried to itemize the time spent and receipts for all the court fees and submission and. I paid an attorney to try and help me with some of the paperwork. So I just kind of gave her it this itemized thing and that process. So one thing w- w- that was nice was that the judge made them pay me um, before the, before anything happened on a decision on the case, pay me a certain amount of kind of, you know, recompense for the uh, cost incurred and like pursuing it. So that was... that was Oh, like, wow, that's nice. Yes, yeah, so that was an encouraging sign. And again, it felt like, uh, kind of showed me she's pretty reasonable about it. So that was like, so there was a little bit of... Um, a little bit of kind of a payment before the decision came around so that was nice um so at that point like as far as the the case the whole try the trial you know it's like a, it's like it gets reset like okay now you have a new court date i got a kind of a schedule you get a okay this is when the trial and, and then in between that and when the trial is there's all these different cutoffs for you know discovery there's a cutoff when you can do this when you can do that when you have to engage in this discussion so you get a whole new schedule and then um so after I did, got my kind of a little, a little bit of a payment for my time. spent, I went through, uh, so the discovery process, that's when you can kind of ask each other questions and say, okay, both sides can ask each other questions. Like, okay, I want information about this. I want any records relating to whatever your, whatever your question, you know, you get to ask each other questions. So my questions were, we're not, we're not that many, um, just said, uh, okay, can you please tell me who was involved in the discussion to terminate my employment? They said, okay, these are the people that were involved. And I asked, among, among those people, who made the final decision to terminate my employment? They said it was this person. My third question was, um, at any time during the discussion listing these people above, did, any, did anyone discuss the, the law or the legality of terminating my employment? Yeah, And the answer was just no. That's all they said. No. Period. <laughs> They're like, forget the no. law. We just don't yeah. like you. Yeah, it was. Um, I yeah, again, I, that's, what I was, that's what I was I just really thought that was um, obviously really profound. Like they just didn't. They didn't. Uh, yeah, they didn't. They didn't think about. it. I'm not surprised, but just no. They just said no. We didn't. They're do just that. shooting
0: from the hip. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. such a good reminder that like most of the time we get people like mess with us, authority figures, employers, police officers bureaucrats they just kind of flex on us and a lot of us are just kind of like well whatever like i'm sure you know what you're talking about to squash my rights but then you just confront them and you're like do you have any idea what you're doing it's illegal and they're like no we we didn't consider it that's just that's insane to me but i guess it makes sense where did you did did you come up with these questions yourself
1: uh those first three basic ones i did but then there were there were Mm much uh there were again working with the people that were helping me there was I think there's get to ask like twenty five or thirty questions give or take in a uh in a discovery it's, there's kind of, like mm. a of time there. so we had some of these um kind of universal questions that we prepared that were asking things like um you know was there anything is there anything in your uh, employment agreement that stipulates you know medical intervention or uh, medical testing or or um diagnosing and you know all these kind of things you know a, a lot of the things that are just trying to they are obviously meant to give an answer of, of no, you know, did you mm-hmm. trying to get into some? And so I kind of, we had somewhat of a template and I used the ones that applied to me. And then I, cool. those first, yeah, the first three I knew are just basic questions because it's not. And the thing about my case was there's not a question of facts. There's really no dispute of like who did what, I mean, mm. the, you know, this is the email I refuse, they fire me. So in other cases, there, there's going to be, who you know, you know, any, any infinite kind of, um, when, ambiguity, yeah, and people are going to say, "Oh, he said that, and they did that, and no, they didn't." So there's really no dispute of the sequence of events, really at all. So that kind of thinned out all that. You know, my, I just had to get at, okay, what what laws are broken, and let me just show how they clearly violated the law, and you know, that wasn't that wasn't hard to do, or um, or just the basic logic of it. Again, you know, the yeah. all the processes and, and tricks were you know kind of that's what the lawyers do. There, I was honestly yeah. not. Um, I was not impressed at all with their rhetoric and their, certainly their law. I mean, they just tried to pull out, all, and again, that's what they get a law degree for is all the, um, all the details and the procedure. And that's what the paralegals are for. Right. But I just said, I was really not impressed with their, their argumentation, you know, and they didn't have a great case, but they just seemed to pull out all these lame little tricks. And so I just, I was really not, um, that part of it was, you know, just the straight logic and law of it which just kind of came naturally, you know what I mean, Um, to me. Yeah, yeah. it was the process that made it kind of complex. So um, Mm anyway, so so after the deposition, they asked me, you know, a bunch of a bunch of they wanted to get at me about my job search. They had to they wanted me to prove everything I applied to and and which I did. I had to send them like send them like give or take like 60 online applications. They wanted to try and want to, you know, make sure that I, uh, you know, I did a diligent
0: search for for my job um that's absurd yeah, too because yeah, it's like yeah. so they're trying to be like you know you could have gotten a job it's like from who not yeah. from you you literally fired me what makes you think that i could you're the one that that's crazy
1: yeah again that that's one of the things that i that i w- was saying that was you know was i was not impressed with it's just um so they <laughs> hired yeah. they hired they hired they were just trying to throw anything they could at me so they hired an expert witness this guy's job is that's what he does so he said he produced a report and it looked like he just started Googling like job titles, like network administrator, help desk technician, um, you know, whatever computer tech, blah, blah, blah. He, he gave these job titles and, and he had all these different paragraphs. Oh, in a, in a survey by such and such website, um, you know, a, a systems administrator makes a hundred, you know, 110 a year. Oh, blah. there's a, there's a very high demand in this market. And he, so he just, he just went on Google and, and, and Apparently, um, kind of, but his argument bulled So after he gave all this kind of BS about different jobs and job markets and things, and he said, you know, Mr. Flood's job search cannot be considered uh, diligently motivated. He, uh, it's fair to say that he should have had a job within 30 days, you know, because his credentials are so impressive and the job, you know, all this stuff. It was it's like, you know, really? You're, you're, you know his and they they paid this person to do this and i was just like that's crazy that's
0: i mean that sounds like that's like a red herring fallacy right it's like you're not debating whether or not you were employed after they laid you off you're there to sue them for unlawfully firing you and then he's putting this other scent to try to send everyone down a new track like yeah so my
1: response yeah my response to it was um so essentially there's no other reason to do that other than to minimize damages right so that, so to me my response mm. is, you know it seems like a tacit admission that there's the law was broken and it's, right they're just grasping at straws trying to say like okay yeah. if, if this thing moves forward they just want to set the stage to reduce damages as much as they can because, i see you know? okay yeah yeah and i i obviously recognize that and i called that out and uh, i also was thinking um you know this guy this little thing he pulled up is totally in it's from his imagination. It's like he's imagining this this world in 2021 at the height of the insanity. I was just fired for refusing the vax. Most employers that I came across were openly stipulating requiring that you had to have it. In the description there's a lot of jobs mm-hmm. saying you had to have it. Um, you know, in the height of this craziness in this world um you know and obviously you know if you interview for a job a lot of times you're going to ask you about your previous employer and why are you you know separated and all this stuff so so it was just it was it was an insane um situation and to think that anyone could uh should get a job within 30 days like this is totally a fantasy world and this guy knows nothing of what he you know that was one mm-hmm. thing if i had to go to trial I would have looked forward to like questioning that guy and just you know i would have kind of enjoyed that just asking him about that but anyway so that was just that was just an example of of what they were reaching for Mm -hmm. um so so and after that i uh they they gave me a deposition so that so they get to uh, so they get to go dive in deep and ask me it was lasted about four hours it was like it's really really long um and they they went really hard at they wanted to Kind of at, they wanted to go really hard at my religious beliefs and they wanted me to kind of substantiate and prove, meet some kind of metric or apparently that they were determining that, um, you know, and and asked me what my beliefs were. Even though there was never a discussion of any exemption, they didn't, they didn't, when I refused, I mean, I threw that in there because I knew that's obviously part of it um, and part of what could potentially be a legal angle of it um but they never discussed when they just fired me there was nothing but but still he mm-hmm. decided to, again they're just reaching for anything they wanted to go on. yeah really okay yeah what is what is your religion what are your practices what are your sacred texts who are your prophets and you do you go to church um you do your other <laughs> are, are your friends and family like and they wanted to they wanted me to uh, to list i had to give them names of uh, friends who I had who I discussed my beliefs with and I, they were just going you know what?
2: yeah
0: that's like yeah. that's more via, that's like more amendment violations it's crazy well,
1: I, I said that well as I as I said it so when you so in, in a deposition they can ask more questions than they could so if you so if you're in a courtroom and you say I object that's so it's irrelevant when I my my, my when I when they were asking me this I said any any question about my religion is irrelevant it has has no bearing on informing anyone in this case to making a decision that, you know and i object so in a courtroom you can do that and the judge can say you know objection or denied or sustained or whatever so in a deposition they can ask so i recorded my objection i said mm-hmm. i i object to this whole line of questioning it's not relevant and they said okay your objection is noted but you still have to answer right mm-hmm. so that if so that if later in a trial that's The if anything in your deposition is used, my objection is noted, and then the judge can rule whether or not it could potentially be admitted in a trial scenario. You know, but the point is, Mm -hmm. uh, the deposition you still have; they can ask you whatever. You can object; you still have to answer in some form, right? Um. So I did that, and I think I did fairly well. I don't know because again, the the other part of the deposition is they want to want to like kind of you know kind of size you up. How is this? How is this guy gonna? handle himself yeah. how how could he potentially present himself to a jury or a to hmm. judge and is he all kind of uh fly off the handle or is he kind of does, does he seem kind of you know together all these kind of things so my whole my whole thing was just like keep it you know pool comic collected Yeah, uh, yeah just if you if you don't know say you don't know so there's there's a whole there's all you know i did a nice little study process of how to do a deposition smart yeah, yeah, yeah. So um
0: you're I mean, you have a you carry yourself very calm and confident, you know what I mean? You don't seem like you're going to be holding a cup of coffee like shaking it and stuff. It's so it helps your demeanor and your your natural temperament from knowing you for a couple of years hanging out with you a couple of times like you you have a, a calm temperament. I don't expect you to like be too like neurotic. Um so that helps because I can imagine this situation would be the kind to make someone feel really nervous. Uh, so it's cool you prepared yourself with some studying.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's um you know, YouTube university and just some Googling and just the basics of uh, you know, how it goes. What are yeah, what are the what are the objectives in either side? What is what does the attorney want to what does a um, defense attorney want to accomplish in deposition? You know, so you just mm-hmm. and I you know, so I just educate. you know, I wanna know, just get my inform myself on the game. I know, you know, inform it. this is the game that's being played. These are what's what, what they wanna do and this is what you this how you kind of just how you get through it so it was it was nerve-wracking and it was kind of and it was long and drawn out and um but i think i did a pretty decent job and um so after that in washington there is so part of this kind of schedule of different events in the case part of the process in washington is that you are required to engage in some kind of a discussion um called alternate dispute resolution so you have to get together whether or not you have any sincere intentions of kind of settling or doing something else other than going to trial you have to at least meet and have a conversation you know so part of mm-hmm. this process so that's part of the process of washington so I, um, after the deposition or a little bit after that um got an email from the attorney saying uh you know mr blood we're required to go through this by this statute blah 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 we would like to do um we'd like to use a mediator and and uh, here's the guy's website. We worked them before. We think his qualifications are perfect. He's great. Like, let's let's set this up. And and I'm just thinking, um, well, who who is this guy? How do I, you know, they worked them before. Are they buddies? Are they are they in the you know mm-hmm. in the form? I, I don't know this person. Why 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 should I why should I trust that? And and also it was it was about two grand, if I remember, um, that I would have had to pay for this mediator to to go through this process. I mean, they're not. They're not cheap, you know, and that's for like a half a day. For and sure. Said, um, yeah. So I said, well, I'm not super enthusiastic about that. I'd prefer to go into um, direct settlement negotiations. And so again, working with my my um, people that are helping me, kind of wrote an email, kind of, well, let's go into direct settlement. I'll start this off. These are the damage. So I kind of I gave them an initial, you know, settlement offer. Uh, let's do this email. Same thing. Let's report it all. Here's my initial offer. This is what I'm looking for. This is why, This is why I feel I have a strong case and all this stuff. And so they said, "Well, we're not, um, you know, we're we're not really keen on doing that. We'd rather have a third party involved and, and someone who can can be neutral and and knows, and knows theories of liability, you know." So they just kind of brushed off any direct settlement. They're like, "No, we're not going to do that." And I said, "Well, I'm not comfortable. I don't I can't quite honestly. I can't. I'm not. I don't feel comfortable with it, and I don't want to. can uh can't really." Quite honestly, afford that right now. So um, he said, okay. "Yeah, because like, you fired yeah. me." <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they came back and said, "Okay, well, how about this? If you go through mediation and you accept the decision, then we will cover the cost of both sides. There'll be no cost." So I was like, "Well, uh, I'm not comfortable with that either, because essentially that puts pressure on me to accept whatever this person says." And I obviously, like I said, I don't trust them. This might be your buddy. You might have. You might just be in your pocket, and you just pull out and I don't trust this person and I don't, you know, I don't know what to expect in this process. Like, no, I don't feel comfortable with that either. Um, And then when I did that, they said, okay, well, either way, we'll, we'll pay for, we'll pay for the mediation either. You know? And so I was like, okay, well, I guess I can't lose there. Right. So, so I just kind of kept going, kept going. That's cool. You and just negotiate that. like it's sales.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, so like you think buying a car, it. you just keep pushing, yeah.
1: keep
0: pushing. Eventually
1: they, they give a little more yep and yeah the whole time man i mean again they are and it's their job i mean they're they're trying to overwhelm you they're trying to intimidate you talk down to you be be like snarky and crappy and you know i got called names and all this one of the one of their things was like oh a lot of uh one of their little reports where they're we were going back for it you know they said uh, a lot of mr flood's views and um kind of information he's he cites are uh part of this like a uh, quote unquote libertarian and uh, what else did he an anti vaxxer, you know. It's like he's like calling mm. and things like, you know, so anyway, their whole thing is just like I just wanna jab you and stick a little daggers for sure you and, see, and see how you're gonna how you're gonna react, you know, that's just part of what's the game, you know, part of what they were doing. You know, and I recognize that, so it's not like it didn't annoy me, but you know, I had the I had my eye on the prize. <laughs> so I just yeah, I knew I for knew sure. what was going on. Yep. Um so now anyway, so we get into the we get into the mediation mediation took a little a couple of weeks to set that up and um again like I had nothing to lose so um but again I didn't know what their intentions were were they just going through the motions or were they just gonna come up and give some insultingly little hit offer and just you know try and screw with me some more I didn't know what what to expect so I go into it well again there's nothing to lose let's see what happens see what happens and uh and to and, you know to Quite honestly, at this point, like this process has been, this was now close to two years, but by, by all this all this process drawing out, so super wow. stressful and soul sad. Long time ups and downs and frustration and waiting and all this stuff. Excuse me. So the thought, quite honestly, the thought of this was was if I was thinking, no oh, man, if I have to go to trial, that's like super duper. Like I really. Do. I, that was super stressful. I don't, I don't want to do that. Um, so, you know, could like take was, years,
0: could be five more years. Who knows?
1: Right. Yeah. And just the thought of, um, like I said, just trying to, I would essentially, you know, have to learn to be a trial attorney or an amateur version of that within two or three months. It's like, well, that's kind of difficult. Mm. Um, didn't love that. Yeah. So that was, so that was to so go, just going to the mediation. I was like, I don't know what to expect, but I hope it goes well. Let's see. You know, um so we get in there and so so in a mediation i think it's like this in real life too again it's another zoom meeting so the mediator you just have different zoom rooms so in a mediation there's no i have no direct contact or conversation with the other side like mediator pops Mm. in your room Mm -hmm. pops in theirs and just goes back and forth back and forth like this and um so so we we get in there they make kind of um kind of exchange a couple of initial comments about um you know this is Again, this is why I feel my case is strong. And they, they gave me a few things to, like, think about. And, um, you know, and then we then we essentially we just kind of started. They threw out the first number. And the mediator, you know, is like, well, here's the first number. And he's like, you know, I think, quite honestly, I, didn't, I thought they might just, like, he said this, he was he seemed pretty candid as well with me. He's like, I thought they hmm. would just throw you, like, some little, little low ball kind of a joke number. He's like, this is a fairly decent kind of... Um, starting mm-hmm. got, I gotta say and again I mean again he he seemed I think he was very very normish but he wasn't super antagonistic either you know what I mean so, yeah, yeah. I, right so again um he's like I think it's pretty easy. so at that point um essentially at that point we just kind of swapped numbers like they threw they threw this I threw this back and you take a little break they come back and boom 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 and uh, over the course of about three hours or so, um, we came to a final, a final number and, and, and going into it, I had ahead of time. I was like, okay, what is to me, what is, you know, insultingly low where I feel like I'm going to have, I'm going to fight and like, just say, you know what I mean? Cause I, I was like, right, yeah. What would, what is somewhere get my, get myself prepared. Like, okay, what is the bottom where I feel like, all right, I've accomplished something. I have some kind of a win and I, and I, and I, And I feel good about, you know, this being over and and including all this stuff. You know, so I had kind of, and you know, it fell, it fell in that range. And then, um, yeah, that was, so it took around three hours and we got to that and, uh, and then, you know, it was done and I had to, you know, it's kind of in a weird, you know, right when that happens, it was like definitely in a weird state of shock and joy and relief and just all these kind of weird, all this, uh, mixture of emotions you know when that
0: finally finally resolves so wow well congratulations i'm gonna try something on here i never tried let's see what happens on this let's see i'm gonna
2: click this button here for the cheering maybe it won't work
0: get some sound drops i tried to i'm ruining the the moment it's not gonna work but anyway just imagine we're cheering and clapping because that it's uh it's unbelievable man you went through um that insane process that took multiple years, and then finally they, yeah, two years they conceded. So two. Yeah. Yeah. And then you got a settlement, or you're going to get yeah. one or whatever. Wow.
1: No, I well, got it. Yeah, this is a few months uh, gone by now. Yeah. And, um, wow. And it was just, you know, it was me, and, I mean, it was obviously in the WCRC helping me out. But, um you know, they had three attorneys paralegals different assistants all this stuff and they have their law degrees and blah 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 and they're just they're trying to fight me just some regular dude who said no you know that's what it that's yeah uh, right so even if it's insane yeah and i've been thinking about this you know as as i'm getting a little further and and as i do different conversations about about what happened um like even if i didn't get um and, and just if i could give anybody who may hopefully this kind of situation will come up again and hopefully we'll have some more wins like mine but um but even if it's if it's not a vaccine or if it's something else but even if i hadn't won even if at some point who knows along the process if i just said man i can't put this time in this energy and who knows you know it was it was definitely tough at times but um they you know i these people obviously have to be pushed back on they have to be checked and they have to be i even thought when i first uh even when i first Followed my lawsuit, I was like, you know what? Even if not this doesn't go anywhere, just to ruin their day when they get a lawsuit, just like that is something. You know what I mean? Just to say, like, yeah, no, a thorn in their side. Take, yeah, I'm not just gonna sit here and be right. No, you know? so
0: yeah, not everyone is just mentality. gonna. Yeah. yeah, that's incredible mentality. So that's part of what I want to ask you about is like, so two questions, and maybe they're the same answer, but the question is, well, why didn't you know? Why don't you just take the vaccine, Patrick? For one. And then, maybe it's a separate question, also, why not just, why fight back, you know? Why make all this trouble for yourself?
1: Uh, so, number one, why didn't it take the vaccine? So, I think, very, well, I knew that pretty, as as a lot of us did, I knew that everything was a fraud pretty, actually, it took, I didn't know as quickly as everybody. I, I remember, so all the, man, all the madness started in March of 2020, right, middle of March. So, but, so, um, actually it took me till about kind of, kind of <laughs> other people were all into it quicker, but it took me until about May. I don't know if you remember, there were these two doctors from California who were kind of,
2: kind of talking. Yeah. About how they shut got down. shut out
1: real quick. Yeah. That was my first thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I'll admit to when, when all the shutdowns first happened, I kind of, I kind of, it's kind of an appealing idea for me. Oh, I can just work from home. Okay. That'll be cool. Mm-hmm. Like, well, yeah. can, that'll just be. You know, just have a nice little more, company, you know, no commute. So I was kind of like, just, you know, some of the idea was like, is, is there something off here? And I kind of float, but there was also the thought of like, no, nah, something that big wouldn't be just like fake or I don't know. So these little thoughts came through, but it took me a little bit for to really dive into it. Um, but anyway, we're um, as during that time when I, you know, so I started looking at everything, looking at all the you know, the PCR test. So that's total, totally fake and total fraud and all the case stomach and all this stuff and how there's no logic to like shutting people in shutting down the economy, making people cutting people off from their friends and family. All these things are incredibly unhealthy. And, and then, you know, they, they're, they're at, at the end of 20, you know, they're talking about the vax was, was in development all this stuff and MRNA. And I'm just thinking like, so I knew the whole, I knew the whole threat of that. The disease was some kind of this deadly thing. I knew that was, total bullshit so obviously i'm not going to entertain for a millisecond putting some experimental gene therapy into my body like it's just it's just not there's no there's no chance hell. and i didn't know what to expect what the risks would be or how how kind of uh, yeah radical the risk would be who knows but i mean there wasn't mm-hmm. there's just no chance at all it wasn't a decision like i just i just knew that um i, I knew there would be consequences and i wasn't happy about that But, uh, but I accepted that, you know, I just said, I mean, I kind of, I had, there was that as, as I just, and we started, you know, meeting different people who were kind of new as well and, and knowing that we're not alone and and just knowing, um, you know, what we're looking at that, no, no, there's no chance it's not going to happen. So that wasn't, that was pretty, Mm -hmm. it was decided pretty early on. And then the decision to fight was, I think, um, I think. I think i'm just wired like that i don't know man it, i think and i think a lot of us are you know well,
2: yeah.
1: i mean the fight is in there but the league so resistance in whatever form is in a lot of us to, to take the legal path itself if i didn't have the friends and the acquaintance you know the people that kind of were already there i wouldn't have done it so I, w- I was thinking about that too <laughs> earlier so you know you know going through and this is kind of getting more big picture but Especially when the, sure. when, the, when the COVID thing came around, just um, the people who knew that it was a fraud, we we got together, right? And you started to meet people who I felt like you know we had a lot we had a lot in common even before we met, but this this horrific situation brought us together. And then through the people that I got to know, just by looking for people around me that that were you know, and you know, so uh, through different connections and. I got through, uh, the Seattle truth network and they were working with other people that knew an attorney And this, this little, this thing was developing. So just by, just by seeking out others and by, and by mutually kind of, you know, gravitating to a certain per- will lead, will lead to, oh, well, the, this group is putting together a, a legal, you know, this whole team to help people yeah. do this. So, so it just, it just shows that, um, you know, through these, these circumstances that we are forced, you know, we, kind of found, found, found our tribe, you know, to speak so to speak. um, it just helped that sequence of events unfold. Right. So
0: yeah. well, wow. Well, thanks for sharing some of that. You know, it's, there's, uh, something I can relate to you with is that I was pretty late on board with understanding the pandemic myself. I, um, you know, my wife comes from a family who's been really hip to not putting faith into propaganda, government and medicine and you know i i wasn't you know i even was i was in the navy and you know um so there's a lot of there's a lot of compliance with the government that i have done and would have done if it hadn't been for my wife you know and when the when the when the shot thing was rolling around you know my wife and i were both working for the national park service and Uh, The town we were in also in in Western Washington was starting to need mandates to get into restaurants and stuff. But um, so it was like, okay, the time, you know, the time is coming. There are the shots or no shots, you know, jab or no jab. And and I was hosting like this kind of like meetup. It's like kind of like a philosophical meetup. I only had two members. It was my friend Peter and my wife. And so we would meet up once a month and talk and we would do we would do like a 10 minute presentation on something. And it was just like a friendly, like kind of intellectual, intellectual playground for us and one of them came up and what i was doing is i was presenting the information in a powerpoint about why i wasn't going to take the the jab Mm -hmm. and i did all this research about like you know the risk versus blah blah blah. i tried to find data and all this which now i understand all that data was just like made up probably and i gave this presentation to my wife and peter about why i wasn't going to take the jab like scientifically and they were both like okay well good for you and i was like well don't you why don't you guys like this, it wasn't really very interesting for them, and they because they were like, we don't need to know the science of why not to take the jab. We just know that the whole thing is bullshit. And so, but I was so like late to the party. It just took me a while to get on board with the the bigger okay. picture. Yeah. So, Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't know that. So you would say you were um just, to, for lack of a better term, you were normish before COVID. You yes, absolutely. It wasn't until wow. my
0: wife cracked cracked my mind open for the the Trump Biden election where Biden won right um my wife uh yeah i had to go through like a two month process because what happened was my wife was basically like you know i think i'm going to vote for trump and i was like now we don't we won't vote for anybody probably ever again but this was like right. 4 years ago you know and uh she was like but i was in all these like liberal circles living in all these liberal cities and it was like you know if I'm supposed to be a good man and then just all the, 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 the stuff, like mm-hmm. the anti patriarchal, all that shit. I was like yeah. reading all these books just from all the leftist shit, you know? And then my wife was like, you know, I think it's all bullshit and I'm going to vote for Trump just because like, just because he's, it's just Biden is like the devil and the whole left thing is like a, it's all just a scam. And, um, you know, we couldn't even tell people in our communities. That she was going to or we chose not to tell people because we were in such like tight liberal communities in our life in different parts of the country that, you know, people cut people cut her off when they found out things like this. Like it was just, you know, how it's been. And so if anyone else had told me this, I probably would have had all the liberal rhetoric to defend my own like obsolescence as a man. Right. Mm. But because it was my fiance at the time telling me I couldn't just like have cognitive dissociation. I just had like two months where I was like kind of depressed and I realized that I didn't know anything. You know, I didn't know shit about anything, it turns out. And so I, I created this, like, curriculum where I had to, like, rethink. I threw out everything that I knew. And I realized that I was, like, totally ignorant. And I had to, like, start from scratch. And then it was right then where we found these incredible events. We, we found Mackenzie Wolf, And then we found Derek Bros, And then it was right after that where we met you at the event in Washington Squatch Fest, which is where Etienne de la Boyette, he gave yeah, me a book yeah. He gave a book. He gave a speech there and he ended up giving me the a biggest,
1: book. The scam in history, I think, right?
0: Exactly. Government, yeah. the biggest scam. And then that's when he gave that speech about how, you know, the the order followers or the police or the and the military are like the dogs of the ruling elite and have no morality basically of their own. And it made me cry. I cried there at Squash Fez in my camp chair because I was just like, oh, my gosh, I have no idea what's going on at all in the world. Um, I was, and I so know. it was so powerful. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, we just couldn't get enough, you know, I mean, and my wife was excited that I was like, my light the lights were on finally, you know, um, and I was home so to speak. And, uh, so then we just couldn't get enough. We went to, uh, as many festivals as we could. We started diving in my wife or, you know, I left the park service and my wife left the park service. We moved. And then our journey has has just continued on, which is part of what this podcast is is rewriting our future because we're, you know, basically those few years ago, right around when we met you, it, uh, it all started to to happen and then we had to rewrite everything because we were both like parky national park service employees and we were going to be like lifers in the park service, like right there in our cute little town. It's like the dream for so many people. Um, and now we're about to be more like entrepreneurial and she's like, she doesn't even have a job now. And like, things have just changed so fast. It's been incredible. Um, but meeting like you there, cause I don't remember what stage you were in of the process when we met you, but you were at least, you had already been fired or something. Um,
1: so I think the, you... the main was, uh, some, I think the, the main swatch was, was May of 21. So that point I was still, I mean, the world was crazy, but I was still working. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're actual, actual uh, firing came a couple months, September mm-hmm. after that. So,
0: okay. Yeah. Catherine was just talking to me before this, we were at dinner and I was like, she was like, you know, I think he was like thinking he was about to get fired when we first met him. So I guess there's yeah. something like that. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but uh no, that's anyway
1: not, Yeah, no, that's really incredible that you uh that you and I've wondered how people, especially over these past few years that have j- just got red pilled like fr- you know, f- went from zero to a hundred from twenty twenty till now. Cause I was like again, my wiring was like I'm a truther
0: from way back, quote unquote, you know? So
1: even though Yeah. It took well, you- see <laughs> yeah.
0: well, so yeah, I'm sorry I don't mean to keep interrupting you. How you know, will you tell me a little bit about that? Like if it hadn't been for my wife, I I would have been like, totally like, who knows? You know, Mm -hmm. I would have been down the path that all the other uh, poor, unknowing people are are going down just fully propagandized. Probably, you know, I had a Mm -hmm. dynamic life, so I like, but it was, I just had no idea. So, um, will you talk a little bit about what you mean by you say, like you've been a truth or for back in the day, what was it that primed you in your past so that when the time came, to sacrifice something for your rights you were ready what, what has your history been what is your journey with that
1: yeah if we want to go way back i can go back to when i was uh 12 years old i think well first of all i think one interesting thing i see in a lot of um quote unquote uh truther like podcasters or a lot of them are are musicians and creative people as well right i think again going back to the wiring i think kind of the um the creative kind of uh person has a has a just is wired to like recognize bullshit and and see through some of the artifice yeah i think it's just part of being a creative type you know and i think that's definitely part of who i am um music is my my love in the world that's what i love to do but I, i just i saw that in a lot a lot of instances but but so i think again i think step one is just some kind of wired to be curious and i don't I don't just want to accept what is, I want to know why, and I want to know how it got there, and I don't want to be told what is, I want to, I need to, I have just a thirst to to know something for myself, it's just part of what I am, right, so that's, Hmm. but I can't, but like I said, I can remember when I was uh, 12 years old, I was born in 76, so, in 1988, uh, was 25 years since JFK, and I'm, you know, I'm a, I mean, I'm not, I'm a kid, whatever, I'm just living my kid life, but, you know, yeah. I, I, even even then, you know, I've seen the Zapruder film. I mean, I have a big awareness of who JFK was and that he got shot and this thing. Um, but I just remember watching this special, and it was 25 years. And I just knew when I was 12 years old, I'm like, "Well, that's bullshit." No, way that's total bullshit, right? <laughs> this is, this little <laughs> yeah, that's it's totally awesome. Crazy, you have like right? a sixth sense I, for it. Yeah, and I was I was uh, fascinated, even as like a teenager. I think I probably read. A couple. I mean, not like obsessively, like. But I probably read a few books about it. And then I think later in, um, maybe in college, I read 1984 because some of this, again, some of this kind of uh, my curiosity just led me to, you know, find different things in, you know, Brave New World 1984 and all this. And then I was um, in 2001, I was 25 years old and I was working in Arlington, Virginia when 9-11 happened. And. In the in the, I didn't, I didn't, I can't say I immediately of that one either. But it took me a couple years. To, I was, I was definitely curious about it. But when I, before I got to the point where I was like, even though I knew there was something that was like wrong with it initially, I couldn't accept that, you know, some some people that we trust would do that intentionally to their own people. Like, like I knew something was weird, but I couldn't emotionally grasp, like, you know, that that yeah. was the evil that it was. So it took me a few years, and again my curiosity I started reading some books and like loose change and all these different things so it took me a while to just kind of really accept that that was you know the 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 mainline story was was a lie um but i but I knew instinctually at, you know after in and a little bit after that but it, but it took me a while to just like accept it but uh but I've just been kind of like keyed into that you know so i've I've watched all the the whatever over the whatever past 20 odd years you know different like documentaries and books and you know, i just have that curiosity in me so yeah. i was already kind of keyed up but again it did take me a month or so to uh to really spot uh covid um but then once i did yeah that was that was you know it was game over you so, did it so i knew yeah I knew yeah take so uh,
0: well that's cool to know that it's been part of your just part of who you are, part of your personality, to be able to to critically think and to not be afraid to sense the bullshit. Because a lot of people, you know, like you saying, you know, admitting to yourself that nine eleven was, you know, the, the possibility that it was even intentional is, is so the the scope of evil and, and is yeah. is so overwhelming. It's so sad and it's like terrifying to admit that. Uh But you've been doing it, you know, for since you were a kid, and that's amazing because the people as adults now like can't people can't face the most contradictory things in front of them. Like you, people could just watch, they can get two opinions that are completely contradictory and then just still be like, yep, that's the way it is. You know, Um it's really weird. It is like a, I've been listening to a lot of Jason Kristoff lately. I don't know if you ever listen to him, but he's he goes off about the mind control of average things. And I just feel like that's, that's so much of what it is. You know, it's, the difference between someone like you who's been following along and just using your intuition and your research Mm -hmm. versus people that just believe everything at face value. Um, I don't know what that difference makes, what makes that difference.
1: Well, I think, again, I think it's each individual and we're all on, we're all on our own path. We all have our different kind of experiences that make up what what we are and what we think and all this. But I, but then when you come down to like the propaganda and kind of media control thing, like, like as your, kind of getting to it's just to even entertain that um you know the world is not what's been presented to you is incredibly you know it's it's scary as hell and it's and yeah and it can be really sad and and uh so i think it's just a defense mechanism largely right and 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 even if people know in their gut that something is off or they know you know different lies that will be presented around or narratives um there's i think there's also a calculation that like if I even entertain some, whatever this viewpoint is or, or speak or acknowledge it to someone, what am I going to risk? I think this is all just going on in people's heads. Am I going to risk uh, my relationship, my my significant other, my family, my social circle, my my job, my, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Am I going to get people going to call me names? Am I going to be ridiculous? Blah, blah, blah. So I think there's just this automatic um, defense thing that kicks in that, like you said, with Being presented with contradictory information it just says no i will i will not i'm you know boom and i think it just feels like they just cut off that thought and it doesn't it just it meets some kind of a gate and it just doesn't go anywhere i don't know what else (laughs) to think
0: you know so yeah that's a great way to put it i like the example of like a gate like uh you know electrical terms or even like you know yeah um it's really funny because it's like something i've been learning about lately is you know just the social engineering and considering masses like if you look at like the scientificness of the social engineering, is like, what will, how do you determine which people go into the gate of the, the herd that you want them to be herded into? Because that's what the, the, you know, the propaganda is for and what determines the outliers that slowly trickle out, you know, they jump the fence and go out the other gate or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it is like, you're talking about people don't want to face going against the, the crowd. Like there's safety in numbers and it's in our, part of it is in our DNA to assimilate with the crowd. And the idea of not assimilating with the crowd means you're on your own. And then it takes a certain type of person to be willing to like, to not have the support of the community. And that's really what it means a lot, I think. And you can't blame people for being afraid to lose the support of the community. You have to be a badass person to be willing to sacrifice your community. And what's amazing about your story is that it sounds like when you started to be like, no, I don't know exactly what I'm going to do next, but I'm not going to do this shit." You every step of the way, it sounds like that you took out of faith and courage, community came in to help you. Absolutely. Right? You weren't you weren't alone. That's so be- that's so amazing. That yeah, I don't know if you have anything to say about that, but how you you became stronger and you had more community the deeper you went into your own like courage.
1: And it was definitely involved. You know, if I can get again a little um, kind of um, philosophical here, I knew that you know I had bunch of conversations with a lot of people but when you know for me personally when I when I could grasp the magnitude of the evil that was going on I mean these people were masked as far as just COVID specifically there's all kind of other examples of this but COVID was a clear kind of um when I talked to different people but it was kind of you know and I I knew I knew what the new world order was I knew that term but you know before 2020 I didn't think it was gonna like look me right in the face. Like this is it, motherfucker. That's what it felt like. I knew it was this idea, For sure. that, and I had researched it. And I knew what it. was. Well, I knew there I know that politicians didn't run shit. I know there's you know these, all, all that stuff was going on. But I didn't think it was gonna go. They were gonna slam the the gas, and and, and in 2020 was like this is gonna be it. NWO technocracy. That's how I felt. I was like, oh shit, this, this is just looking me right in the face. And so that thought was just like. Um, I just felt that the evil was presenting itself and saying, this is it. And, it, and, and you know, another level of realization of what, what was happening just got to me. And I just I just felt like I not, you know, I have to fight this. Like I, I to have some kind of self-respect and feel like to, to feel like, um you know, to feel a, a decent about myself. I know there's going to be consequences, but again, it didn't, it wasn't an intellectual decision. It really was like, quite honestly, like hmm. spiritual, you know? And I, I yeah. knew I have to, I am going to fight evil. If there's a, if there's one thing that we're here <laughs> for, and, you know, I don't want to sound grandiose, but this is honest. Like, no I, dude, I, let I, it I out. Have to, I have to, I have to do it. Right. I, I know there will be consequences. It will be difficult, but, um, and that, and that has led me of a path of, you know, ob- obviously looking deeper into spirituality. I want to, you know, I, I have all these questions, like why, 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 you know, I, again, I'm, I'm Gen X, man. I was born in 76, was a little kid in the eighties, came of age in the nineties and all this stuff. So I can remember all that, you know, and then, and then there's a very clear wall of like, like 9-11 comes in and boom, This kind of like. Hmm. It's this idea, I mean, and you know, and people look back at different eras in, in America, but that was a very clear cutoff of like war. What I remember is of, of like normalcy of of America and of growing up and all this stuff, and that was a very hard curtain falling down that separates those two eras, right? And um wow, but uh, but I'm just thinking, you know, and I've thought about this, just being born in in that bracket, so being a little kid, sure. in the 80s and seeing, you know, technology and all this shit, just kind of come up and change everything and all this all the uh all the things we can see getting exposed now and just what the just the just the zeitgeist and how the world feels so much different not not just from like nostalgia of being young but just the world itself i mean we're all in different stages of our life but just looking at being born then to what the world is now it's it's mind-boggling what has transpired and I'm 47 and that you know in this in this span yeah what the what the as far as just being a kid who you know in America I mean over, all around the world there's different things going on but i um, just looking at that and I'm just thinking like man what it's so incredible to grasp that what it what it was what it is now mm-hmm. and, and just like and it just makes me ask questions like man I guess or you know why you know why are we why were we born at this time how we came into this world and and it's taken this path like what why is that i don't know i'm just i'm, at, I'm just kind of exploring all this like man
0: what you know what is going on here what is what is this about what? i
1: don't know it's all these overwhelming yeah. questions right so
0: it's great man it's it's like, like the most important work that we could be doing i think is what you're talking about you know you're talking about it being a spiritual decision to fight to, to lose your job right and and maybe the, you know, you ended up getting a settlement, but that doesn't, you know, that that wasn't your intention when you've got, uh, when you decided certainly. to. Yeah, I had a little bit no, of hope, for,
1: but that's it,
0: yeah. Yeah, I mean, basically what you're describing is being like a warrior of the light, a light warrior. You're like just, you know, you're like making decisions that have sacrifices for not only the greater good, but the alignment of your own spirit, like you said. Something that really stood out to me is when you were like, you know, I wouldn't have been able to have high self-esteem about myself if you hadn't have acted out in accordance to the values that you claim to have. Absolutely. Right. And yeah. that's so important because nowadays, you know, like even the, the way you noticed the change in that generation, because you're right, that is a remarkable difference. There's a before and after nine eleven, And then, of course, all these things come in Patriot Act and who knows what all the other things like. There is a there is a tangible difference in the way the world works, and then the, one, the way the internet connected everyone. Now it's like the same poisonous idea can get to everyone's head, unlike it could have in the early 2000s and the, the 90s and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people, I don't think Patrick, have the same awareness of our own self-esteem. Even I think that nowadays there's so much like distractions between like the Doritos and the the booze and the super crazy high quality weed now and even like the pornography and the netflix um all of that stuff i i think is is like blocking our ability to feel any discomfort that we would have about our self esteem which is like our morality and our, our our embodiment of our spirituality if it even exists so most people can't even feel that thing you described because we're so masked in just dopamine soma bullshit Mm -hmm. that most people can't even know how to act in self-esteem because they cover up their emotions all day
2: (laughs) i don't i don't
1: don't know what to think about you know all again going back to earlier like all everyone in their different path to where they are now and how whether you're still like a left lefty shit lib you know or and then people who are who have come away from that to people who are all the way, you know, every, every kind of view and every point people are on kind of, kind of recognizing what's happening or in my view, what, what a lot of us can see what is happening. It's just, and that's what I was really, when you told me that uh, you, you took the fast track when you're, when you're, uh, when your wife was kind of, did that i was like wow man I, I didn't know that i thought i figured uh hmm. i figured if you were at Squatchfish, you were probably some kind of a more of a veteran than that but you no know, man that's and it, i'm just i'm just thinking like if i had to take that all in within you know two or three years man that's uh that's a lot that's a that's a big it's a big thing to process you know in that kind of yeah when you're an adult so yeah
0: yeah thanks it's it, it it has been a lot you know on the first episode here i on, on this show i just talk about how it has been like it was quite the challenge for a while like I, I really had to uh reconsider but fortunately i was used to re- i was used to changing my life a lot i i had different lifestyles i lived in different states i traveled all the time i would always quit jobs and move and do stuff you know i I've, whenever i felt misaligned with a job i would leave it and i would travel on my credit card or i would do i would always get blue collar jobs because I knew you can make money on overtime doing blue collar shit. So this is the only time in my life, the last three years, that I've ever had. I'm 37, and for the last three years, the only time in my life I never, I didn't have a blue collar job. Um, but I always because I could just go make money and then quit and then go do something else. And so I was primed for being able to change. I yeah, so you were, but
1: that yeah, you're much yeah. More prepared in a different way. So me, I my whole mentality up until yeah. last year was like. I work a nine to five. I go. I I have a boss. I collect a paycheck, and I show up, and that's what I do. And like that. Hmm. And for me to learn some of the more, um, you know, I and, and up until like six or seven years ago, even though I've been, you know, I've, I've researched all different uh, conspiracies, like I was still in uh, 2015, and 2016. I was like a Bernie guy, like straight up man. Yeah, you know, that's sure kind of crazy for sure because he. And then I, but then I made that progression. Like, okay. So, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to look at the parallel between, okay, how do you, how do you go from Bernie to, you know, kind of libertarian or whatever, whatever uh kind of word you want to use for it. But what I'm trying to do is draw the, the I want to see the commonality, but so I can like kind of help other people see. So, you know, if you look, you're lefty, that kind of, that kind of type would say, um, you know, you look like minimum wage and let's, let's have all these social programs and uh let's, let's help each other. And like, I still have the innate desire. Like, I would ideally, I want to contribute to people having, you know, prosperity and being happy. And I don't want, I don't want people to suffer. I want, I want the world to be as fair as it can be. It's not, we know life is not fair, but I'd like to hopefully, if we can get a little closer to that, that'd be nice. You know, so I don't think my core desire, I just recognize that that's obviously not the answer at all. You know what I mean? That's just the wrong, that's, that's the wrong, um, look at the problem. And it's certainly the wrong fixed for and and it's all lies too but i don't know i'm just i'm hoping i can get other people that are kind of in that you know uh headspace to kind of
0: see something and and figure something out so i bet you can man you know and uh we'll wrap up here in a second i appreciate your time but yeah i think that um one of the, what I'm hearing you say, like the Bernie thing, I mean, that's compassion. You know, people that w- want to stand with Bernie, you're like, let's help the poor people. The rich people are fucking things over. It's like, yeah, yeah I mean, that makes sense. Those are not, that's not a, that's not a lie. But uh, if uh, the connection between like anarchist and a Bernie guy is that you want people to thrive. And I guess you want people to do their best. And it's like the Bernie guy wants to lift everyone up a little bit. But the libertarian anarchist wants people to find their own. Pick themselves up by their own bootstraps, where they have unlimited potential, you know. And so the tie is compassion for the individual. I think it's just uh, the difference is how you, how much you are going to put the responsibility on the individual. Because it's like, I don't, yeah, it's like, do you want them? Do you want to lift them up as a group, or do you want to give them the power to lift themselves up individually? So I think there definitely is a, a tie there because you are right; they both care about people. And
1: the other thing, the commonalities I see. So a lot of them want to, you know, burning is I don't know if he's. I don't know what he's at as minimum wage. It was 15, it's 20, all this, like this idea of like the minimum wage. But well, if you look at uh, obviously central banking, that's why our money doesn't go. That's why, because, you know, some of the lefty, the, the unionist kind of uh, these things, they say, well, people are just good people. They can't have decent jobs and decent living standards anymore. Like, what are they going to do? They're not, that doesn't mean they're lazy or they're stupid, you know, they're not just like, and they're not, most people by nature are not, don't want to sit around. I mean, that's that's like, If you're in a, I mean, there are bad examples of that. People are kind of in a state where they want to collect a check and they just want to, you know, drown themselves out with bread and circus and all this stuff. But that's, I think, if a person gets that state, that's not a natural. They've been, they've been traumatized or messed up or mind controlled into that. Like that's, that to me, that's not the natural state of humans, right? So yeah, I just take that like. So from the lefty point of view, you want to just like try and make everything equal in the end. But in the more libertarian view, um, we can see the root like people are, people do have great capacity to do things and to, uh, to have a good life. It's not, it shouldn't, it's not actually expensive to have a good, um, you know, if you give someone some, some skills and an opportunity to do things, most people will want to, most people don't mind putting in an effort to, to have a decent life. Like, and that's, that's the parallel of it, you know? So,
0: yeah, it's so true. Um, yeah, it's awesome. And, and you've been a great example, man. I got to say, like, I really appreciate it. The thing I'll close on here is, uh, you know, there's just some random comments from the video you did with Ryan. Um, people are saying insp- inspiring. Thank you, Patrick Flood. Uh, you know, I'd love to see more like this. as is the best feel-good story for the day. I want to congratulate you. Uh, thank you. Great interview. Um, so, yeah, what you've done, I'm sure you know, but it really, like, It is huge, man, because we hear so many people that are like, yeah, fight back. But the stories of people that are actually sacrificing to do it and doing it to completion, to the end, to where you actually get uh, something for it that makes a statement on not only all of us that watched, but a statement on the people that did it. You know, hopefully next time before they let someone go for some bullshit um, or try to challenge, like, are you religious enough Mm -hmm. for us? uh, They have to consult the law. So it it is a huge ripple that you've made. Um, So.
1: Thank you, man. I Thanks, man. I appreciate everybody for those comments and anyone who's, um, can, you know, you know, can, is, is encouraged and, and, and is, uh, and is happy for me. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. It's, it's, it's really great to read those comments. And it's, again, it's just nice to know that, um, I can't, you know, that the people are, people are rooting for you and, and they, and they see it they there and they can, you know, enjoy someone going through that. And it was a long process. It was difficult, but, um, I am. I'm I'm glad I made it through, and I got a I got a win for us in some capacity. And um, yeah, man, so really, really grateful. Really grateful.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, I'll put um, if you have somewhere that you would like people to get in touch with you, if people had questions or comments, you can either tell me now or afterwards. I can put it in the show notes or something.
1: Okay, I think Um, uh, one easy one. So on Twitter, I I think I need to bring my podcast back, um, but I still have my Twitter handle. It's so the podcast is. Uh, Winston Smith, Smith's diary, like possessive. Um, okay. um, but nice. the Twitter handle is Win Smith Diary, so at W I N S M I T H D I A R Y, or you can email me at Winston Smith's Diary at Proton Mail. If you anybody, you know, and if I can help anybody with, I've gotten a few of those too. I've gotten some emails that are just encouraging. A couple, a person with like some of some of like, you know, hey, some of some of the legal information, yeah so I can answer any questions happy to and
0: um yeah man before you hit me up so cool all right on man well i really appreciate your time and i learned a lot it's always inspiration i look forward to seeing you at the next festival you talked about Derek bros earlier Derek's the man we're going in a couple weeks to morelia for the greater reset man i want to go
1: so bad i don't know if i can
0: uh i want to make that happen i really want to
1: it's not impossible yeah we'll, we'll see yeah
0: well, yeah, we'll be down there. Otherwise, you know, you'll catch it online. Um, but yeah, I'm sure we'll see you around at something, something else there. soon. And uh, yeah, well, it's been a pleasure. And you know, you got your own show too. Uh, that you you said you're thinking about bringing back up. So if you ever got something else you want to talk about, man, you hit me up. We got i uh, I'm here and I'm ready for more conversations. So if you ever want to come back, just let me know. All right, we'll do. Sounds awesome. All right, thanks, buddy. Talk right. to you soon. Peace. All right. Well, that's it for today, folks. Thank you so much for listening. And if you would like to support the show, you can make a donation on PayPal. You can find me at Mr. Paul Bry at M-R-P-A-U-L-B-R-I. Or feel free to pick up a copy of my book uh, recently on Amazon called International Backpacking and Domestic Travel, What I Learned While Traveling the World, a Comprehensive How-To Guidebook. You'll find that link below in the show notes. Take care, thanks again, and grow food, not fear.